0: Welcome again to another edition of Lost in Science. This is half an hour or thereabouts on your radio where we, the Lost in Science team, will talk about sciencey things. And who are we? Well I am Stu and I'm joined this week by Chris. Hi Stu. Hi Chris. And what sciencey thing have you brought in to talk about this week?
1: Look, you might be like me, and you've been reading the news a couple of weeks ago, and you saw a mention of the Earth's inner core had stopped spitting and was changing direction.
0: I- I've seen this movie. I've seen this movie. They, they drilled down into the centre of the earth to try and get it to start spinning the right way again. Is that is that what we're talking about well, here?
1: I haven't seen that movie, but um, that's the kind of thing I was thinking. It's like what what's going on here? Like what 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 are they talking about? Um, and look, it sounded like something that should be a big deal because i did make a whole movie about it being a natural disaster thing but it was just kind of one of those passing mentions and it seemed to make a lot of people angry about it on the internet as well so i thought i'd look up and see what was going on um spoiler the earth's inner core has not stopped spinning uh what's actually going on maybe a little bit more complicated than that uh maybe important i don't know we'll try and find out
0: well you know i mean let's be honest what doesn't make people on the internet angry even if there's nothing to be angry about. There's always someone who will find a reason to uh, to object.
1: Speaking of people who get angry on the internet, Stu, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of
0: digital things and people getting angry on the internet, I am going to be talking about something which, again, you may have heard of in the news. It has been in the news a fair bit since it was launched in November last year. I'm talking about chat. GPT which is it's a bot you can talk to it you can ask it questions but there is some concern people call it AI and I want to talk a little bit about that as well but it it is a, a machine that can basically answer your questions you can ask it things and it will give you answers and some people are concerned that the answers are too good for a machine to be answering and some people are concerned that maybe they're not good enough and of course here we go there's all sorts of discussion all over the internet but I'm going to talk a little bit about ChatGBT and what it actually means and why every or why some people are concerned about this machine learning technological advance, I would like to refer to it as. Um, and and I'll try and clarify some of the issues around it. But yeah, I'll talk about that later in the show, so please stay tuned.
1: Yes, you are listening to Lost in Science. Yeah, I'm talking about the, this nuisance story about the Earth's inner core. Now, I wasn't sure I was the right person to really cover this story at first because I've never really been that into, like, geology and geophysics and things. Even though when I was studying physics, it pretty much was made clear that geophysics was the way, it was where the dollars were.
0: Is that is that because of mining and they need to yeah, know where yeah. rocks rocks are in the earth and you can dig up the expensive ones? Yeah, pretty much.
1: But also, yeah, I haven't seen as you mentioned the the uh, the major work in this area, which is the movie The Core, in which I believe Aaron Eckhart and Hilary Swank go down to the center of the earth to to restart the inner core which apparently has stopped spinning in that movie, causing all kinds of natural disasters, including, apparently, like, ultraviolet rays to destroy the Golden Gate Bridge. I don't understand how any of that works. But, uh, yeah. Uh,
0: I think I think it was explained away as being, you know, it disrupted the magnetic field of the Earth, and that does protect us from various but radiation from, from space. But ultraviolet rays. No, not like that, no. No, no, but no ultraviolet no. rays obviously... aren't,
1: aren't electromagnetic. I mean, they they're <coughs> like they're not charged. They're not going to be affected by the Earth's magnetic field at all. I mean... What are we talking about
0: here? Uh, we're talking about box office gold, Chris. Box that's office right. gold. I think I, right. I don't think it did that well. Actually, it wasn't. It was not. It's a hard watch. Put it that way. Yeah,
1: but look, yeah, I mean, it is. It is a. It is an important. That's why when yeah, this came as a real thing. It sounded like it was fairly important because it sounded like box office gold and um, a bit of sci-fi nonsense. And you know, I I love it when a popular story is is fully wrong. Um, well, not fully wrong, but um, misinterpreted. Um, but this one, yeah, did tend to be a bit more complicated. So look, I'm going to try and get to the bottom of what was going on here, um, uh, with my limited knowledge of of geology as it is. Now, um, so let's just talk about the structure of the Earth first of all. Uh, and I was trying to find a good analogy for it. Um, but let's just say it is not like a Ferrero Rocher. I will talk about Ferrero Rochers, but is not like a Ferrero Rocher. Um, okay.
0: So there's, there's no nuts in it or there's no chocolatey center or what, what's, the, what's the deal?
1: Oh, the, well, you'll find out. And I should just say, by the way, um, obviously when I talk about however it is, whether it is like a Ferrero Rocher or not like a Ferrero Rocher, um, a lot of this stuff we have knowledge of is, is indirect. I mean, unlike the movie, The Core, we are unable to send a craft down to the middle of the Earth to see what's down there. Um, you know, we find indirectly, generally by um, earthquakes, tracking earthquakes when they go through the Earth. So, an earthquake happens at one location, uh, we detect the vibrations on the other side of the Earth, and we can tell from that, basically, we're sending waves through the Earth to find out you know, what this structure is or deduce what the structure is inside. Plus a lot of other... So
0: we've, yeah. we've really only drilled, you know, not that far into yeah, the, yeah, into that's the right. earth. So we don't really know what's there beyond a certain depth, which is not very deep, right?
1: Look, we know some stuff. We know some stuff about um, the, the first bit that you find under the earth. So you, as you might know, there's a thin crust on top of the earth and there is, uh, then the mantle, which is like the, the bulk of the earth. There's this like your Ferrero Rocher where you have like a thin chocolatey crust and then you have like this kind of hazelnutty chocolate cream, um, beneath it. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is, that basically is the mantle. Although according to NASA, its consistency is a bit more like caramel than, um, than hazelnut cream. They didn't use hazelnut creams in energy, They use caramel.
0: So, so it's more like, a, more like one of those lint balls, maybe. Maybe, it's got maybe. caramel. In, no, they caramel don't have caramel. It. They don't have caramel in them. Or, or, or a, is it more like a cream egg? I don't know. There's I don't, so look, many things.
1: But, but the point is that that it's not okay. One interesting thing about the mantle is we think of it just being all this molten rock, but it's not actually molten. It is pretty much solid it just it behaves more like a fluid over geological time scales which are very long so it can kind of flow very slowly but it's not like lava is like melted rock Um, the mantle is not molten rock generally Um, so yeah that's just want to make that clear but it is that is most of the earth is this big bit of mantle now in your Ferrero share you have then a hazelnut at the center and mm. in a similar way, the Earth has a core. But the difference there is that Earth has an inner core and an outer core. So the inner core is what we're talking about in this story for the main part. It is believed to be solid metal. Um, iron and nickel is what is the the current theory that it's made out of. And the outer core is liquid metal, liquid iron and, and nickel, because it is so hot down there that, yeah, the, the metals have melted, um, but the pressure causes them to, I guess, solidify at the very center. So it'd be like if you were a Ferrero Rocher had like a liqueur bit around the hazelnut. And so the hazelnut was kind of floating in this, in this liqueur. See, I told you the earth is not like a Ferrero Rocher. I made that clear going in. It's not a perfect yeah. analogy, but you can picture yeah. the layers to some
0: extent. Yeah, so so there's multiple layers.
1: Yeah. So like I said, the outer core um, is liquid and it's believed that convection currents of these uh, metals is what drives the Earth's magnetic field. Now, but the inner core is what we're talking about. The inner core is this solid ball of metal, essentially. And it was really first discovered, I guess you would call it, or hypothesized in 1936, again detected via earthquakes. but then, I guess more recently, some scientists had found that the um the speed of rotation of the of the um of the inner core was different to that of the rest of the Earth. Um, they detect this by seeing the um the speed, I guess, between the detection of earthquakes on different side of the Earth and finding that that was changing, that time was changing, and so that they were able to work out that the that the inner core was has doing something different to the rest of the Earth. Um, this is some scientists from Peking University or Beijing. I think it's called Peking University. I have to look that up. Um, but they published that in the 1990s. Um, those same scientists have been looking at more data since then. And they've been trying to work out exactly what is going on. And this is where this latest research published uh, earlier in 2023 has has found is that the, the rate that the inner core is rotating does actually change. Now I guess what we're talking about here though, we're talking about its rate relative to the rest of the Earth. So it is still rotating. Let me be clear on that the inner core is still rotating. We're not looking at a the core situation. Um, but initially it was rotating faster than initially it was rotating faster than the rest of the earth, about um, a tenth of a degree. Per year faster, and now it they what they're working out is that it seems to have slowed down, um, and now is perhaps starting to um, go slower than the rest of the Earth. So relative to the, rest of the Earth, it's spinning in the opposite direction. This is where the headlines have come from: the Earth in the core stops spinning is now going to change direction. That's only relative to the rest of the Earth, and right. we're only talking about like a fractions of a degree. Um, per year that is the difference of rotation but it still matters because you know again this is like a solid ball of metal floating in um, a liqueur creamy um, fluid and it's look it's believed that the, the changes perhaps could be to do due to that uh, uh, due or to do with the electromagnetic fields generated by the the outer cores, convection currents or things, same thing that's give us our um, magnetic field. But at the same time, you've got that massive mantle of rock or solid rock, basically, that has polygonic gravitationally. And so is tending to make it kind of align with the mantle's rotation. So it's sort of being pulled around and moved around in, in other ways. And that can have effects, obviously, if one part of the earth is rotating differently to another part of the earth, then you will get changes, perhaps in the overall rotation, perhaps the length of the day will change or um, that we see on the surface. Um, it can also have changes in the, the Earth's magnetic field. So it does have real consequences, just not quite as apocalyptic as in Hollywood movies. Um, but like, it should be clear here too that not everyone agrees on this. So these scientists have using data from places around the world. They're primarily looking at, I think it was um, the South Sandwich Islands in the Indian Ocean and um, some islands uh, up near Alaska. Um, so looking at earthquakes between those two locations. And that's what they're doing their work on. Other scientists looking at different... Uh, locations in particular some looking at uh, nuclear tests in the 1970s believe have gotten different results they reckon that there is perhaps a shorter time frame so this this first study we're talking about looking at some of a 70 year cycle so that every 35 years roughly the earth's inner core changes its rotation um other see people saying it could be like a six year cycle and then there are some people who say that perhaps it's not actually changing at all that what they're what's been happening is that they're misinterpreting structures on the or structure of the uh the earth's inner core because it may not be a perfectly smooth ball of metal. You know the, the way that the inner core and the outer core interact you get iron crystallizing on the surface of the outer core and then kind of melting and drip and melting off again. So you know it's not a perfectly smooth ball. Perhaps we're seeing unevenness in the structure that's causing this this apparent uh changes in, in the rotation. So there is not consensus on this um but you know again this this recent work is it's got a lot of people talking it's published in the journal nature geoscience it's by the people who discovered the differential rotation of the oceanic core in the first place so you know it's it's fairly solid stuff it's just um uh yeah still a bit fluid like the outer core is a bit fluid and frankly until we can send Hillary Swank down to check directly. We're probably not going to know for certain.
0: I think we're lost.
1: We're not lost. Not even any short-range radio signals yet? Except for a single, very powerful, radio emission. Of course, a transmitter of that sort isn't exactly standard equipment. The science and technology must be absolutely mind-boggling. Of course, uh, that's mostly on the theoretical side. Well, so far across australia on the community radio network you're listening to lost
0: in science you are listening to lost in science now chris i just wanted to ask have you heard of chat gpt i have heard do you chat. know what it is I,
1: I have it is a as you said it's kind of a a chat bot that does more than that it seems to have information as well but i have a couple of questions for you Stu. yes this is a story you're presenting about ChatGPT. Have you gotten ChatGPT to write this story?
0: Not all of it. Okay. Oh, <laughs> excellent. Um, I, I was I was going to come to that. So, ChatGPT stands for Chat Generative Pre-trained Transformer. Oh. Um. Okay. Basically, it's it's a it's an online uh, tool, I guess, which has been released by a company called OpenAI whose stocks are going absolutely bonkers at the moment because people are very excited about this. ChatGPT is an advanced language model developed by OpenAI capable of answering questions and generating text based on its training on a massive amount of diverse text data. Simply put, it's a highly sophisticated computer program that can understand and respond to human language. Now that, was what the bot described itself as when I asked oh. it.
1: Oh, so, so you can just go on. Anyone can just go on. Do you have to like create an account or this kind of thing? How uh,
0: do you, it... log, log in with your, with your Google account, with your Gmail account okay. or something like that. It basically checks that your computer is secure. I don't know what that means to the bot, but it checks that your computer is secure and you can just go in and um, put in any question. Um, basically... It is one of the most advanced machine learning tools developed, and it's available for the public to use. So, yeah, anyone can log in and ask it questions. I've actually got it uh, up and running. Is there anything you would like to ask it, Chris? Um, ask it if it's uh, um, a scam and
1: it's just there to steal our information.
0: No, I am not a scam. I'm an AI language model developed by OpenAI, a well-respected research organization. Okay. My purpose is to assist users by providing information and answering questions to the best of my abilities. Uh, OpenAI takes the privacy and security of user information very seriously and has implemented robust measures to protect it. So there you go okay. from, the, from the bot's mouth, as it were. Um, of course it is going to say that.
1: Well, we all know that computers can't lie. I mean, that's either science fiction staple.
0: Um, yeah, well that's, that, that is kind of, you know, that, that should be built in. And there are, there are actually strict, uh, restrictions on what it will say. You know, if you ask it to tell you how to do illegal things, it has a bit of a problem with answering those kind of questions and things like that. Um, and you know, it does sound like a cool toy to play around with. And aside from some sort of, I guess, ethical questions, it's not really of any concern to anyone except potentially anyone whose job involves writing, um, which is many people, or reading other people's writing and having it submitted to you. So as the bot says, it's trained on a massive amount of text data and it's programmed to respond like a real person. So some people have criticized it for being too confident in its answers, as in it gives an answer in a very, you know, what we would describe as a confident fashion if a person had given us that answer. But I don't, it is basically just an algorithm, so it doesn't mm. really have any confidence in its own answers. It's it delivers its answers in the way it's programmed to deliver them. Yeah. So I think you know the idea that it's it's a cocky robot is a bit much because it's that's how it's supposed to sound, I suppose.
1: Yeah, I've seen um, I've seen a lot of things where people ask it very specific questions and it confidently gives the wrong answer um, because it doesn't really know the stuff behind it. Like if you ask it mathematical things or yeah various very specific real world things it doesn't know the actual doesn't really understand what it's talking about it will argue the case but it'll give you it can confidently give you a wrong answer
0: yeah and and this is the thing it is a it is a language model it's designed to sound like a person Mm. and anyone who's ever had arguments with human beings will find that they will also confidently answer things that are completely wrong and not be able to um logically answer them but a- at the moment there's no real way to stop anyone using it to answer questions um anything given as an assessment in an educational setting like a high school or a university uh people can just plug their answers in and i've done this i've taken assessments i I work in education as you know Chris mm-hmm. and I've taken some of the assessments that we've that we uh, have given people in the past and it gives pretty reasonable answers and certainly passable answers to those kind okay of, uh, knowledge questions as long as it's general enough um, but what's possibly more worrying is there's no real way to detect when it has been used it doesn't give the same answer every time um, you know, the, the, you can actually, there is a button at the bottom of the interface. If you don't like the response, it just has a button saying regenerate the response and it will regenerate a, the same answer in a different way. So okay. there's no way of knowing if it's been used. It's not like uh, there's plenty of programs where you can enter in a piece of text and it matches up to existing text to see if things have been copied. So that sort of plagiarism detection tool has been around for as long as the internet basically as long as you could um you know use a word processor almost um but because the bot does produce fresh text at every prompt the responses are new and they won't be found on the internet they're not stored anywhere else uh as as a repository
1: okay now so this we're seeing a lot of these kind of generative ai things that are using this complicated like huge stores of data to to generate, I guess, responses to text prompts. But like another thing that AI has AI has proved itself to be good at is um I guess looking for patterns and things and finding things that humans may not notice. So could you potentially get another AI to analyze ChatBT's responses and work out its kind of pattern and be able to put an ai basically tell the difference between this one chat gpt and a human is there perhaps some you know, well, hidden patterns in the language perhaps
0: potentially potentially but of someone did launch a a, an, a chat gpt detector recently okay. but they plugged some th- through some uh, some shakespeare at it and it claimed that that was written by the chat bot so okay. It, it again Their 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 algorithms are going to have to be equal to these algorithms to figure out if there are those patterns there so it's it's an interesting yeah. uh, interesting idea uh, but for simple knowledge questions and general knowledge it can come up with reasonable answers certainly answers that will be passable in primary school and in high school um, Queensland high schools have banned the use of chat GPT and so have high schools in New South Wales but certain private schools haven't so, it's kind of there's no sort of overarching ruling on that sort of thing. Um, they have shown that it can give passable answers in an MBA assessment for a master's of business administration. Some people might argue how hard can it be, but you know, it's still a qualification that has been given out by universities and that sort of thing even has been shown to answer medical exam questions to a passing mm. level. So you know i kind of feel like the more generalized the knowledge is the better it is at getting the answer right um it's obviously as you said not very good at pure logic and philosophy and even maths it doesn't seem yeah. to really grasp the concepts there but if you if you get an exam on something um that's that's widely taught it's very likely to be able to find the answer Uh, If that makes sense.
1: Is it then, I guess, from that kind of education kind of context, is it like a calculator? Because back in the day, you weren't allowed to use calculators in maths. And things have changed. Like, we're more used to the fact that people have calculators. Is it going to be like that? It's going to be like, you can't use ChatGPT eventually. It's like, everyone uses ChatGPT all the time, so just go for it.
0: Well, it's hard hard to say how people are going to react to it, because it's more like, I guess, having... Uh, like an old edition of the encyclopedia is is kind of what I would liken it to. It's got a lot of information in there and the way it presents the information is in such a, you can ask it to present it in certain ways. So if you've got an assignment that says, give me five dot points for, you know, in, in your answer to explain, you know, uh, soil types or something like that, it will present that, in that way and you can just copy and paste that and that's the real issue with I think is that it sounds or it seems it reads like a person has written it. Um, It's not just data where you've gone to Wikipedia and copied something off it and pasted it in somewhere else. It's very very natural language oriented and that's the purpose of the bot itself. The fact that it's got this big storehouse of information is really kind of the problem but uh, because it, it does have also a time limited data set, so it can't actually give very recent information. So nothing after about, 2021? Yeah, no, it can't. It doesn't know anything after 2021. Okay. Asked it about, you know, tell me, well, how's the new Avatar movie? And it's, oh, well, uh, I don't have information on that, but he's, you know, told me the director and told me when the release date and all these things, but it couldn't actually tell me what the reviews were like or anything like that. So it's, it is limited in that way. But, you know, I also asked it on areas of research that I have personally undertaken. And I know very specific information about that. And it's sort of when you get too in depth, it sort of just starts making things up, which mm. is an interesting response. It just sort of pulls randomly related things and puts them together and says, that's the answer. Um, but if, you know, if you didn't know, it would probably sound plausible, um, which is Another issue as well, I guess, with the with you know people saying it's too confident. Well, that's what it's programmed to do. It's supposed to be having a conversation with you. It's not a not an it's not an encyclopedia really. Um, but as I said, you can give it information, ask it to format for specific purposes. So, for example, you could get it to write a scientific paper, or at least part of that paper, like an abstract. So, an abstract is the summary of a journal article that explains what the research did and what was found. And it can be very time-consuming and tedious to write those kind of documents. Um, but, you know, you, you present the... Uh, you can actually feed your information into ChatBT, ChatGPT. You can give it the information you want it to write, and it will write it in the format you ask it to, which is possibly another issue with it, is that people can use it to write things uh, which maybe they should have written themselves. So. The journal Science has explicitly come out and said that you can't list ChatGPT as a contributing author or use it in any papers submitted to the journal. Uh, The next question is how are they going to know because we don't have a good way of checking whether someone's used it. It is basically an honor system here to say well yes we won't use it. Another publisher, Springer Nature, who publish over 3000 academic journals, have banned chat GPT as being listed as an author, but they haven't banned its use outright. So they might, you know, you could use it to write your paper, but you just can't list it as an author. But obviously,
1: this is what I'm wondering, like if you've done a lot of research, you've gathered a lot of data, you've done this experiments and things, and then you have to write up, say, the abstract. A lot of people aren't good at writing abstracts. Is it so wrong then to get some computer help with turning your work into an abstract?
0: I mean, you know, I, 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 was thinking of this in terms of people with, with, uh, English as an additional language, all science journals are in English. So if, if English isn't your strong point, mm. getting, uh, the, the chat to write parts of it would, would make it a lot more easily read by other people, uh, even though you've given it all the information. You know, this, this, is, a, this is a big question mark. I think that we're going to have to figure out how are we going to approach this and, and what does it actually mean um, for professional writing? Is it okay to let a machine do your... I mean, I, I was using um, Microsoft Word today and that's a very commonly used uh, word processing program. It has an editor and it was making suggestions of what I should change is it that different i don't really know i mean there's it's obviously more sophisticated than than the editing suggestions in in a word processing program but is it is it that different Mm. you know functionally um i don't know we sort of have to have to uh figure this sort of stuff out um i don't think there is any simple answer to any of this um any of these questions these are very uh philosophical questions and i know that chat gpt is not very good at answering philosophical questions according to some philosophers i've spoken to about it um but people have obviously thought well what are we going to do about it people have built chat detectors to try and figure out if they can find as you said patterns in the language that it uses or certain ways that humans write that maybe the machine doesn't pick up on Um, but as some people have pointed out that might just end up with an arms race with this technology of you know, the detector gets better and the chatbot gets better and then the detector has to get better. And it's just, you know, like antivirus software on our computers. Um, And uh, yeah, and still we're we're not really answering the question of should we be allowing people to use them or not. Uh, Might mean a return to pen and paper exams, for example, in some areas of education, you have to take in what you know in your brain and you can't, uh, you know, you can't take home, assessments with you you can't have a phone in your classroom and a lot of these things have become standard throughout education you know it, since since the technology has gotten cheaper and cheaper all the time um, I think closer supervision of assessments is certainly going to be necessary whether that's electronic and then you've got issues of uh you know consent and surveillance and privacy and all those things it's 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 uh it's it's a bit uh gray and fuzzy at the moment um and you know again in the short term you can still confuse this machine it is a machine doesn't really know anything it just spits out words that sound like someone who knows what they're talking about it is not a person it is a complex algorithm i wouldn't even call it ai because there's no intelligence on display here it's learning yes but it's not actually analysing, it's not doing any synthesizing of new information, it's not putting things together, it's just telling you what it remembers effectively in in a in a very natural way, which is, you know, that's what a lot of assessments are really in in education too. Um, as I said though, it is very new. It's less than six months old. It is learning all the time. So every time you ask it a question, you get to rate its answer, give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. As it gets better at answering things it will appear to be better at doing the things that it's programmed to do so I think it's easy to conceive that in a year's time from now uh, we'll see all sorts of things that we weren't expecting coming out of this new technology and uh, the other thing is people are going to start copying it as well and there'll be different versions of it out there as soon as they've reverse engineered it enough to see how it works we'll find it popping up in in other things and it won't just be on our um, on our phones and I did even see I because I've been playing around with it I've started getting ads in my social media and on my online interactions for chat gpt plugins for your browser so it can interpret information from the browser rather than you having to read anything for yourself and things like that um, I think you know it's it's a huge uh, leap in technology it's going to have a wide reaching effect on well science obviously has already picked up that this is this is possibly a huge problem or maybe it's going to be something that we'll just eventually take for granted and use it just as we would send an SMS on our phone I don't really know we'll just have to uh, strap in and see what happens That is all we have time for this week on Lost in Science. Thank you for joining us in Getting Lost. If you have any questions or suggestions for the team, get in touch with us by email. We are lostinsci at gmail.com. You can send cheap tweets to us at Lost in Science 1 on Twitter or you can find us on the ubiquitous Facebook page lost in science is recorded at the studios of 3cr in melbourne on the land of the kulin nation and is broadcast across australia on the community radio network with the assistance of the community broadcasting foundation you can find a podcast version of the show on 3cr.org.au or you can tune in the way you did this week when we return in our usual time slot to get lost Lost in in science